before I begin the message today, I must needs tell you how grateful we are for the support you and others have given us throughout the years. God has provided for our family and for this ministry through your generosity. I'm excited to share with you that we completed the construction of the church building in San Juan and began services there in July 2022. And this is largely thanks to your help. We have also purchased an old adobe house and we hope to begin remodeling it this year. Our aim is to add two bedrooms and indoor plumbing to it making it the perfect parsonage for the church in San Juan. Thank you once again for all your support and generosity. None of this would have been possible without you. San Juan is a small rural farming community of about 400 people in the mountains of northern Mexico. The average income is around $20 a day. I first met Carlos while we were building the church. His father was working for me as a, as a mason. His mother came to me and asked if I would go and pray for him. Carlos is about 35 years old. His kidneys are failing and he's on dialysis. When I first walked into his home, he was in bed barely able to sit up. I knew about his kidney problems and when I saw him, I thought he was very close to death. I asked him if he would like for me to read the Bible to him and he did. I prayed with him and I prayed for him. I explained the plan of salvation to him and to his wife. Before leaving, I asked if he would like for me to begin to come once a week and do a Bible study with him. And he did. During our weekly Bible studies, I continued to share the gospel with him. And he got sicker and sicker. Then one week, his wife sent me a message to tell me that he was in the hospital. I visited him there in the hospital he ended up being there for over six weeks. After leaving the hospital, we began to continue our weekly Bible studies until the church began its inaugurational revival the first week of July of last year. During that four-day revival, we had 60 to 70 people each day. On Saturday, we had over a hundred people attend. Remember, this is a town of about 400 people. Many attended because they were curious about what we were doing. Carlos and his family attended because God was calling him. God was working in his life. Carlos began to regain his strength. After the revival, I began teaching through the Gospels in chronological order on Sundays. On Thursday evenings, I began doing a series on salvation. Each week, I took a word that's 
used here in the Christian community that it's not commonly used with the same meaning in the secular world. Words like faith, repentance, atonement or reconciliation, justification, redemption, regeneration, adoption, conversion, sanctification, grace. At the end of each of those messages, I shared the plan of salvation. I use different words and illustrations, different verses, but the message was the same. That message, the plan of salvation, is summed up in Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. One day at the end of the service, Carlos came up to me and he said, I have never understood, but I do now. I want to receive Jesus, and he did. In fact, he was the first new believer at the church at San Juan. Since that day, his health has continued to improve. He's still on dialysis, but he is getting stronger and stronger week by week. He has gone back to work and is able to work part-time. He actually came to me and indicated that he would like to help the church by keeping it clean. He and his family clean the church every week. He and others participated in our first baptismal service. Let me tell you about Danny. Danny lives in another town. He's a mason. Someone who purchased property brought him out to do some work. He showed up early for church Christmas evening, and he was drunk. Think about this for a minute. What do you do when you're making your final preparations for a service and somebody shows up drunk? Maybe I can't tell you what you should do, but I can tell you what I did. I invited him to sit down. And I sat down with him. Put aside the other things that I was preparing to do and talked with him. Some people do not share the gospel with somebody who is drunk. I do. The reason that I do is because alcohol affects the mind. It affects the emotions. It affects the coordinations. But the word of God... Affects the spirit and the soul. In the same way that the word of God can transform a sober person, it can transform who is drunk. I know. Danny began to cry. He said his mother was a Christian. I told him, that's why you're sitting here talking to me, that his mother was praying for him. He agreed. I continued to share the gospel with him. Then I told him, sit and listen to the service. If you are ready to commit your life to the Lord after the service, come and talk to me. I probably could have gotten him to pray right then. 
but I, I don't try to push people to make a commitment. I want to know that they're ready, that the commitment is true. He came to me after church, and we talked. We prayed. Then he told me that his job was almost finished and that he would be leaving in just a few days. I may never see Danny again, but I know that a seed was planted in his life, and I pray that it will grow and bring forth fruit. Every week, you and I meet people much like Carlos and Danny. For some, the hurt does not always show on the outside. Some people wear a mask to cover the invisible pain that exists beneath the surface in their lives. It may be your next-door neighbor, a family member, a spouse, a friend, a co-worker, or maybe even the person sitting next to you right now. Some of you may be living every day in private pain that is eating away at your soul. The pain can be caused by many things. Personal sin, rejection, addictions, abuse, betrayal, sickness, personal and moral failures. You may be thinking, if somebody found out about this, would they still care for me? It is possible that someone here may even be wondering, does anyone care for me? Let me tell you about Don Poncho. I met Don Poncho when he was 73 years old. We went to his house with his son to celebrate his birthday. Don Poncho was a farmer. He also was a bootlegger. Not long ago, Someone told me about his younger life when he and three other guys would get together. And they were forced to be dealt with and nobody messed with them. On our third visit to his house, he and four others came to know Jesus. That day, the church at Baratil was founded. I felt like Jesus asked me, not in a voice I could hear, but in my heart. I gave my life for you. Will you give your life to bring these five people to maturity in Christ? Four of those five people, including Don Putchell, are now with Jesus. Let me briefly tell you about his life. He read Jesus at 73 years old. Within a year... He was reading the Bible out loud at church. He also had his Bible open on his table every evening that I visited him. He, along with most others in the church, began to memorize verses. At first, it was individual verses. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Hebrews 9.27, Romans 5, 8, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Mark 1, 15, John 1, 12. Then he memorized Psalms 100, Psalms 23, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13. Then the book of James, Romans 6, 7, and 8, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, 1 John, 2 John. He died working on 3 John. When he was 83 years old, he became an elder in our church. Every time I traveled somewhere else in Mexico, Cuba, Colombia, and occasionally here in the U.S., rarely, he not only prayed for me and the people who attended, he led the church in prayer. He loved the Lord. And now he is face to face with Jesus. Jesus is the master teacher who taught lessons in a variety of ways. Often he taught people in large multitudes. However, Jesus also had many one-on-one encounters with people who were just like us. And we can learn from these encounters. We can learn from Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman by the well in John chapter 4. This story teaches us three incredible truths about Jesus and shows us just how much your life matters to him. First, we learn about Jesus' personality, his priority, and his power. Let's read John chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. One thing that we should note is in these verses is that Jesus got thirsty. Just like we all get thirsty. And after a long day's walk, Jesus intentionally goes to the well for some water. There was a Samaritan woman there at the well drawing water in the middle of the day. And this is significant because it was the custom of women to draw water in the evening or very early in the morning. This woman was all alone there at the well drawing water in the middle of the day. Why was she alone? Let's look at verses 16 to 18. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you have spoke truly. This woman was an outcast. 
the women and the men of her community probably shunned her. She was alone in the middle of the day to hide from the embarrassment of her sin and the resentment that it caused. This woman was a nobody. In Jesus' day, women could not divorce a man. Only men had that right. Therefore, when Jesus said she had five husbands and was now living with a man, the implication is that five husbands had personally rejected her. Can you imagine what this must have done for this woman's self-esteem and confidence? She felt rejected, alone, shameful, and was going from man to man, trying to find someone who would love her and care for her. Let me take you a moment and tell you about Emilio. Emilio was 70 years old when I first met him. He reminded me of two characters from the Andy Griffith show. First, he looked like Barney Fife. Actually, he looked like a skinny Barney Fife. But he was more like Otis, the town drunk, the person everybody laughed at. He, too, was drunk the first time he came to church. Shortly after that, he received the Lord, and his life began to change. He wasn't without struggles, but his life changed. After he received the Lord, I gave him a Bible, and he loved his Bible. His vision began to fade. I gave him a larger print Bible, and he always had it with him. Finally, I gave him the largest print Bible that I could find, and he always had that with him and was reading it. When I realized he was going blind, I sent him to two different specialists. I tried, but his vision couldn't be restored. He is now completely blind. Early last year, we gave him an audio Bible for the blind. He carries that player with him all the time. He told me that he listens to it until the battery is dead. Then he recharges it and listens to it again until the battery is dead again. They said he almost always has it on. He's now 86 years old, and he loves the Lord. Emilio never married. He does have a nephew who lives in town who does help him sometimes. There may be some here today who understand people like Emilio or the Samaritan woman. Someone may be wondering if anyone really cares for you and loves you. Someone may feel rejected by someone you care about. Some have experienced this feeling of rejection through a relationship, while others may have lost someone through death. Some here today may feel alone and isolated. Some may be in sin and are trying to hide it and cover it up. And deep in your soul, you feel guilt and shame. You may have needs that you're not sure anyone can meet. Let me give you good news. Jesus didn't care who the Samaritan woman was, what she had done in her past, or what sin she had in her life. Jesus personally cared about her. 
Look again at John 4, 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He needed to. Why? There was a woman at a well who needed to know that someone cared for her. She needed to know that she was loved and that she could be forgiven. Her life could change. It was not an accident that Jesus came to the well at just the right time, at just the right place. Jesus met her in her greatest time of need. Jesus was showing her that her life mattered. It's not an accident that you and I are here today. Jesus has you in this place today. This is the right place. This is the right time. And Jesus is here to meet you at your time of need. Jesus' priorities are twofold in this message. His priority was ministry to a person. Look at John 4, 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Even the woman says to Jesus that he shouldn't be talking to her. Jews had disdain for Samaritans. They were considered unclean. Because they were mixed culture. Jesus put this woman and her needs above the customs, traditions, and political correctness of his day. Jesus made her his personal priority. Do you know that you are a priority to Jesus? Others may say you're a hopeless case and will never change. But Jesus, it is always Jesus, looks at you for what you can become through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sees your potential. You can reach that potential if you will allow him to work in your life. Earlier, we read verses 16 to 18 where Jesus told her to call her husband, and she said she didn't have a husband. Verse 19 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus showed love and compassion to this lady, but he didn't show love and compassion for sin. Jesus immediately dealt with her sin problem. Jesus knew her life, he knew her deeds, he knew her motives and her thoughts. Knowing all of this, he proclaimed the truth. She was in sin and that sin had to be dealt with. Sin is always a serious matter to the Lord. Your sin is a serious matter to him today. Jesus died on the cross for that sin. He sacrificed and shed his innocent blood for your sin. Just like this woman at the well, when you come face to face with Jesus, you must also come face to face with your sin. 
fulfillment and contentment. It's found in Jesus. Just like this woman, you must first confess and deal with your sin in an open and honest manner. No more hiding. No more pretending. Jesus knows your heart and your motives. He knows why you're here today. He sees through fake smiles and facades. He knows the real you. And the best part is Jesus still loves you because your life matters. Let's look at John 4, 13 to 15. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor thumb come here to draw. John 4, 24 to 26 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus can bring calm and peace to your life. This woman had a deep longing in her life. She had lived a life of rejection and thought her life didn't matter. When she met Jesus, she found her deep longing and thirst could be fulfilled. Jesus says, you have a choice in your life. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Think about your life. Do you like the water you have in your life right now? Why would you choose the world's water any longer? The water of the world will never, never satisfy you. The living water of Jesus is unending, never ceasing, abundant, pure, fresh, and calming. Jesus is the living water for your life. He is what you need in your life right now. Having Jesus in your life brings salvation. Having Jesus in your life brings calm in the midst of life's storms. Having Jesus in your life brings peace in a time of chaos. Forgiveness and mercy can replace guilt and shame. Jesus can bring change to your life. John 4, 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. This woman who was hiding from the world in guilt and shame. This woman who was displaced, doubting, and despondent. This woman who was dehydrated by Satan's lies and used by Satan's schemes was now filled with the living waters of Jesus. 
She became a soul winner. She is out telling her testimony to all who will listen. She is using the bad experience in her life to glorify the name of Jesus. What a change. She still had a past. She still had some problems to overcome. But thanks to the living, saving water of Jesus in her life, for the first time in her life, she had a future worth living. Let me tell you about Jose as the team comes up. He's 17 years old. His grandmother, Patra, knew the Lord and attended the church at Bonatillo about 15 years ago. He occasionally attended with her until her death about 12 years ago. He attended the opening revival in July at the church in San Juan. He has attended all but two services since then. I did not recognize him when I first saw him. But I could tell that he was a believer. Just looking at him from a distance, I could tell that he loved the Lord. Later, when I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him, I asked him, do you know Jesus? He said, yes. I asked him what church he had attended. He said, the other church. I said, what other church? He said that he attended the church at Baratillo with his grandmother. I asked him when he became a believer. He said, when I was attended the church with my grandmother, four or five years old, this young boy had come to know Christ, and I didn't even know it. And now years later, he's attending my church again in San Juan. He had grown in the Lord on his own. He will, he's graduating this year, or graduated this year. Not long ago, he asked me if I would help him find a Bible institute for him to attend. He's thirsty to know more and more about Jesus. His desire is to serve him. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. God has placed a thirst in your life that only he can fill. Jesus is the living water. Sometimes life is hard, very hard. It's for that reason that we must learn to trust God. Since you know we cannot obtain security through our own efforts, let us resolve in our hearts to depend on God and God alone.